0: Today we'll be reading from Luke 2, verses 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own home to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men, whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. "'which the Lord has told us about.' "'So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, "'who was lying in the manger. "'When they had seen them, they spread the word "'concerning what had been told about this child, "'and all who heard it were amazed "'at what the shepherds said to them. "'But Mary treasured up all these things "'and pondered them in her heart. "'The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God "'for all the things they had heard,' and seen which was just as they had been told. Treasure the Savior in your heart. Please be seated.
1: Well, it's Christmas time almost. Reminds me of a story I read not so long ago about a young man who wanted a cross for Christmas. I'm sorry, not a cross, a watch. And he kept asking his family, Dad, can I please have a watch for Christmas? Mom, I really need a watch. Every time he opened his mouth, he was asking again and talking about a watch for Christmas. Finally, the father, like many fathers, told the boy, if you mention watch one more time, you will not get it. So the boy kept quiet. But there was a tradition in this family, and that was that one person in the family was selected to memorize a verse each day and to share that verse prior to the blessing at supper time. And so the boy was eager to share the verse he had memorized that day. So just before they prayed, he recited Mark 13.37. What I say to you, I say to everyone watch. <laughs> this is a wonderful time of year. It's the Advent season. There are kind of two seasons around Christmas time there's the Advent, and then there's the Christmas. And the Advent season, I believe, is a place where God draws us to remind us of so many treasures that will come with the baby in a manger. And so this morning I want to talk about three valuable treasures that I believe come from the story we've listened to this morning. See if you can identify them as I once again read a short passage from what we just read. But the angel said to them, the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior, has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to the peace on whom His favor rests." In that little glimpse of Scripture. I believe there are three treasures for us. The Advent season reminds us of these. And the first of those treasures is freedom from fear. Freedom from fear. The angel said, do not be afraid. I think everybody is afraid of something. But we're not all scared of the same things. A survey asked a number of people what the number one fear was. I'm not sure that you would recognize it, but I certainly did because I have this fear still today. The number one fear is speaking in front of people. And I've got to tell you, I have it every time I have come up here. It started when I was in Bible college and I sensed God's call in my life that I was going to be an evangelist and a preacher and I began to tremble then and I haven't stopped. And many of you notice it when I'm up here. Fear is the number one. Some fears are easy to cure. If you're scared to fly, stay on the ground. If you're afraid of snakes, they're easy to avoid if you really try. But other fears we must face. Being afraid of the future won't stop the future from happening. Fear of losing those you love won't allow you to hold on to them any longer. Eventually, everybody dies, no matter how it frightens you the question we often need to ask ourselves is, how do we handle these kinds of fears? How do we deal with that kind of fear when it captures us? And it will if it hasn't captured you. The baby in the manger is God, and he offers us the gift of freedom from fear. The question is, what fears does Christ offer us freedom from? I only have time for two. The first one is... Freedom, fear of the future. I don't know about you, and I don't know about Pastor Ken, but one of the common questions I get from people around me is what's going to happen is, are we really getting to the end times? Is the world really going to come crashing down on us? It happens almost every day. Fear of the future. But there's another word, I think, that's more important than that about fear, because fear has another word, has another meaning to it. It's called worry. Worry. Worry is being afraid of what might happen or what we are convinced will happen. Of course, nobody but God knows what will happen, but but that doesn't keep us from speculating and expecting the worst. How will I handle it when it happens? What if it's too much for me to handle? What if I fail or or fall? What What if I lose and what will I lose? Those I love, how can I face it? The baby in Bethlehem's manger grew up to be a man who promised us freedom from fear of the future. Matthew 6 says this, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, And his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus says, Do not worry about tomorrow. The Advent season reminds us the same God who watches out for the rest of creation keeps a close eye on you. You are not out of his sight. Jesus was born to remind us of God's love for us, a love that frees us from fear, giving us confidence that God can take care of all of our tomorrows. And that naturally leads us, perhaps to the second fear, that we have the fear of death. We have all, had the, we have all experienced death in our families. We all experience ailments, And now as I'm getting into my junior, senior years, I feel more ailments than I ever did before. I have no idea why my eyebrows grow faster than my hair. (laughs) It has something to do with man. But death for many is the ultimate unknown fear. Fear rises up in our minds when we lose a loved one to death. Fear can rise its ugly head when we think about our last breath closing our eyes for the last time here on earth. That kind of fear often fuels grief. (coughs) Excuse me. I really, will I really ever see my loved ones again? What will happen to me when I die? Jesus met that fear in John chapter 11 with the death of Lazarus. We know the story now. A man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. The reality was the one you love is dead, has died. When Martha and Mary lost their brother, Jesus offered them the gift of freedom from fear and death. And it was expressed in John 11. Jesus said to her, Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asked the question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? That question rings out today in the Advent season. Do you believe Jesus when Jesus says something? do you take it into your life fully believing not questioning not doubting not wondering but believing i found it interesting i've been doing a master study on the book of john with dallas seminary and one one of the things that was pointed out to me was that in the book of john the word faith never appears it never appears in that book But what does appear so many times was the word believe. Believe. You see, believe is based on facts, not on mystery. And that's what John wanted to do with his book. But the psalmist also understood that when he said, The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, and whom shall I be afraid? Believing in Jesus is not does not take away your fear of heights or fear of public speaking, but faith in him can free you from the fear of the future and the fear of death. You don't have to wait. You can open that gift right now if you believe. But there's a second treasure, I believe, that the Advent story reminds us of, and that's the joy of salvation. I bring you good tidings of great joy, the angel said, which will be to all people, for there is born to you a day, uh, uh, this day in, in, in the city of David, which is Christ the Lord, a Savior. Christmas is supposed to be a season of joy, but joy not always comes, even at Christmas. I often ask myself, Gary, why is it so hard to be happy? Why do good times never last? Why is every bright day followed by dark clouds? Why, because the world's infected with a deadly virus, a deadly virus called sin. Sin mars every beautiful thing in the world. Sin puts black marks on your record, the stain of guilt on our conscience. Sin is what ruins this world, what robs you of the joy you could have. If only there were some way to cure the world. Cure our own hearts of this dark disease of selfishness, pride, and rebellion against God. The angel announces, the birth of this baby will bring great joy, because this baby will be the cure we're looking for. He is the savior who will bring back, he will bring back to us a genuine joy joy because he will save us from our sins. Matthew says this, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people for their sins. You know what my fear is? My fear is we've heard that story so long and so often that we lose sight of the joy that's there. But when you really read the history of the Bible and you read the history of the Jewish people, this this news was good news. When they heard this, their hearts skipped a beat. Maybe not for the right reason, but they certainly had at least momentary joy. They had been looking for a savior for a long time. Pastor Sig talked about that last week. They had hoped for the Lord to return, reign over them for centuries, to dethrone those pagans who ruled them with an iron fist. Could this baby be the one? Could he really be the Savior and Lord, wrapped wrapped like a tiny gift waiting to be unwrapped and loosed in the world? That would be something to get excited about. That would be good news of great joy. Verse 20 of our reading this morning records that they went to Bethlehem, the shepherds found Jesus, and were filled with joy. What does your heart do when you see Jesus? When you read his word and you see him speaking, does your heart skip a beat? i got to tell you, joy is exciting. We know the rest of the story. Jesus does come, and he is our Savior. But not the kind of Savior that they expected, the Jews. He did not come to rescue them from Rome, but to rescue them from sin. And he still comes today to rescue us from the sin of our lives. John chapter 10, or chapter 1, puts it this way, as Sig said last last week. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name... He gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Jesus brought the gift of acceptance and adoption. Jesus brought the gift of acceptance and adoption by God. The joy of being forgiven of sin, the joy of receiving a brand new life, the joy of belonging to the family of God. He offers us this wonderful joy that comes from being cured from the disease of sin. I read this story, which I I shared to the seniors Thursday. There were a group of prospectors from Bannock, Montana, who went in search of gold in the 1900s. They went through many hardships, and several of their little company died en route. Defeated, discouraged, and downhearted, the prospectors headed back, To the city. As their horses were tired, they tethered them by a little creek, and one of the men casually picked up a stone and asked his friend to come over with a hammer, and he cracked the stone with his hammer. He said, It looks like there is gold here. The two of them panned gold for the rest of the afternoon and managed to realize $12 worth. The entire company panned gold the next day in the same creek and realized $50 a great sum of money in those days. So they said to one another, we have struck it rich. But they needed more equipment and supplies to finish mining the gold. So they saddled up and headed back to Banach, vowing not to breathe a word concerning the gold strike. They secretly secretly and selectively began to re-equip themselves with supplies for their next prospecting trip. When they got ready to go back, they were surprised to find 300 men following them. Who told them? No one. The author of this little passage in the book said, My suspicion is their beaming faces portrayed the secret. Their beaming faces. You see, you can't keep joy a secret. If you have it, it shows do you have joy this morning? There was joy that walked up to me this morning and stared me right in the face and put his arm around me. I didn't know what the joy was, but it was on his face. His mom came to know Jesus. You cannot hide joy if you have it. The question is Do you have joy this morning? You can. If he opens God's gift of salvation in Christ. You don't have to carry your guilt. You don't have to experience... You, don't, you, don't, <laughs> you can experience the joy of forgiveness for any and all of your sins. Past, present, and future. You can start over with a clean slate. You can know the joy of being born again. You can experience the joy of being long, belonging to God's family. That's the good news of the gospel in a nutshell. You don't have to wait. You do not have to wait. You can open the Christmas present of joy right now through repentance and faith. And are you ready? Are you here this morning and wonder why you can never capture any joy in your life? Ask yourself, what is my relationship with Jesus? Where is Jesus in my life? Is he within me? Does he walk with me? Does he guard my heart? Or am I trying to do this all on my own? Am I trying to be what God wants me to be, but without him, thinking somehow if I can be what he wants me to be, he will accept me? Wrong thinking, my friends. Wrong thinking. We must come to Jesus. And receive him and the joy of our salvation will begin to shine around us. I think I've shared with you when I found Christ, I was an idiot. But I was a joyful idiot. I would do the silliest things to share the gospel of Christ with people around me. I was working for an electronics store and we had a sound room. I'd lock people in the sound room and I'd put the key in my pocket. I wouldn't let them out until I told them about Jesus. They were clawing at the windows to get out. I would pick up hitchhikers and lock the door and wouldn't stop the car. Even if at their stop, I'd rather turn around and take them back. But I wanted them to know about Jesus. See, joy comes with your salvation. But finally, the third one we find is perpetual peace. Glory to God, peace on earth, good will to man. Christmas is a strange time of year for some. That's when people celebrate the birth of the Prince of Peace by buying toy rockets, toy submarines, toy artillery, and toy and plastic hand grenades for their children. We sing sleep in heavenly peace, but Christmas is often the least peaceful time of the year. Wars are still fought around the globe, But they're also fought in the malls, in the schools, in the business, in the workplace, and in our homes. The one time when God promises peace, it is still one of the most stressful times of the year. And here is this angel promising peace on earth. Peace between God and humanity. The baby born in Bethlehem says he will offer you peace that never ends. We sigh. We stare out and think, hmm, that'll be the day. And yet the gift of peace is available to each of us right now. That peace is not necessarily a change in your circumstances, but a calm that will, can fill your mind and heart during the worst of storms. A contentment that poverty or plenty cannot take away. A sense of, that God is in control no matter what. That kind of peace is something, is not something you can work up. It's not something you can earn. It's a gift from God. And it's wrapped in a baby child lying in a manger. Isaiah called the Prince of Peace. Isaiah called Jesus the Prince of Peace, and Paul told us in Romans 5, Therefore, since we have justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, being justified. Because of Jesus, I can know, you can know, everything is all right between God and me. I don't have to worry if he loves me. I don't have to worry if he's going to kick me out of his family. Through my faith in Christ, I have eternal peace. You can not only have peace with God, but you can have the peace of God it comes through prayer Philippians four six to eight says this: My paper's really sticky this morning. I don 't know how Tim I don't know how Pastor Ken does this. I have, to, I have to go get mentored on moving papers at the pulpit. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and p- petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. Prayer is a surefire prescription for peace. When anything threatens to steal your peace, take it to God and leave it with him. That's the secret. Don't just take it to him, leave it with him. And he will guard your heart and mind like a century. You have that, peace because Jesus gives it to you. He doesn't promise you peace. It doesn't promise your peace won't be threatened, but he does promise that if you trust him, he will give you a perpetual peace that nothing can take away. John 16 says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus promised peace, but his promise of peace. No matter how noisy, he promises peace, no matter how noisy or chaotic the world will become in your life. Maybe you need to unwrap peace this morning. Dr. James Dobson tells this wonderful story about a name named Stella Thornhope. Every time I would say that when I was practicing this, I would say Stella Thornhill. It's Stella Thornhope who was struggling with her first Christmas alone. Her husband had died just a few months prior from cancer. Now, several days before Christmas, she felt terribly alone, so much so she decided she was not going to decorate for Christmas. Late that afternoon, the doorbell rang, and there was a delivery boy with a box. He said, Mrs. Thornhope, would you sign here? As she signed the paper, she asked, what's in the box? The young man laughed and opened up the box, the the flap, and inside there was a little puppy. The delivery boy, whoops, there we go. The delivery boy picked up the squirming pup and explained, this is for you, ma'am. He's six weeks old and and completely housebroken. The young puppy began to wiggle in happiness at, at being released from captivity. Who sent you this? Who sent this to me? Asked Mrs. Thornhope, the young man set the animal down and handed her an envelope and said, it's all explained here in the envelope. And then he turned and looked at her and said, (coughs) it's a dog. And (coughs) the dog was brought last July while its mother mother was still pregnant. It was meant to be a Christmas gift to you. In desperation, she again asked, who sent me this puppy? As the young man turned to leave, he said, Your husband, ma'am, Merry Christmas. She opened the letter from her husband. He had written it three weeks before he died and left it with the kennel owners to be delivered with the puppy on this Christmas day. The Christmas letter was full of love and encouragement and admonishments to be strong. He vowed he was waiting for her to join him. He had sent her this young animal to keep her company until then. She wiped away the tears, put the letter down, and then remembering the puppy at her feet, she picked up the golden flurry ball and held it to her cheek. Then she looked out the window at the lights that outlined the neighbor's house, and she heard from the radio in the kitchen Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Joy. Whoops. Three things, freedom from fear, joy of our salvation, perpetual peace. That's what the Advent season is all about. It's to remind us as we approach the celebration of the birth of Christ. I leave this morning asking this question. Is there something missing in your life really deeply? Do you need to reach out? Do you need to reach up? Do you need to reach in? For joy, for salvation, for peace. We're gonna gonna worship now in praise and song, but I wanna say to you after communion this morning, I'm gonna be over here by the tree and if anyone needs to talk, if anyone needs to reach Jesus for whatever reason, join us. I'm gonna ask Ken to keep an eye on me in case the crowd gets too big. Father, you know your word. Bless it I pray in Jesus' name.